0: Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host,
1: Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm so blessed to be sitting with my friend, Ben Lapitas. Ben, how are you, sir? Doing well, Tyler. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. And it's great to see the beautiful face and to have a great discussion today. And I want to welcome Elevate Nation back because it's time to take it to another level. I have no doubt we're going to be doing that today. And I want to welcome you back to the show where our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. We're going to be talking mindset. We're going to be talking habits, routines, systems, tools, strategies, and so much more from an individual who is elevating to a life without limits so we can all do the same for ourselves. And I want to remind you that this is a masterclass because we're sitting with the master himself, Ben Lapidus. This is for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And if you appreciate what we're doing, please give us a subscribe, You know, click the subscribe button uh, give us a rating, a five-star rating, if you're so inclined, and leave us a review. Of specifically, what are you applying in your life? Because it's not just about identifying the tactics, identifying the strategies. It's about applying them immediately and getting that own feed, your own feedback, in your own business, in your own life, and creating that life for yourself. And with that said, I want to introduce you to Ben Lapitas, as the director of acquisitions for Spartan Investment Group LLC. Ben brings his skills in asset management and financial analysis to launch and grow Spartan's portfolio business line. With over two dozen successful deals under his belt prior to Spartan, Ben is also the founder and host of the national best ever real estate investing conference and managing partner of Indigo Ownerships LLC. Before Spartan, Ben started a multi-million dollar study abroad company and worked with several startups through IPO or acquisition. He graduated Rutgers University with a dual degree in finance and economics where he was the founder of the Rutgers Entrepreneurial Society. So with that said, Ben, welcome to the show and tell us more about Ben Lapidus behind the bio. Who is Ben as a man? (laughs) Uh, Ben Lapidus is uh, a guy who's trying to
0: rush through life, Um, got married a little bit sooner than his peers, had kids a little bit sooner than his peers, um, and is uh, is trying to get to fifty by the time I'm 35, so I can just sit back and and appreciate everything that I that I've got for the back half of life. Um, I've uh, I, I I struggle with um, attention deficit disorder. That's been my my challenge of 2019 is is building scaffolding for that. But I'm also incredibly high functioning with that. Um, I have a an immense appreciation for um, self-awareness um, and the ability to be honest with oneself and to understand one's limitations and then to find the solutions to excel beyond those as opposed to ignoring those limitations or ignoring one's reality uh, or not being educated about one's reality um, and how that affects oneself. So that's, uh, those are the relationships that I look to cultivate um, with, with people who are self-aware enough that they can take in new information, kind of swish it around in their mouth like a sommelier would with wine, and then take the good and leave the bad and always be looking to optimize. And so because I surround myself with people like that, I continue to grow in that way.
1: That's awesome, man. There's a lot there. Uh, you mentioned that you've been sort of rushing through life to this point and setting up systems and businesses and your family and all these different things. And then, you know, talking about how you've got an awareness of yourself, that maybe you've got a attention deficit disorder at times and you're kind of squirrel here, squirrel there, but perhaps at the same time, very high functioning. And so I really appreciate you giving us some insight there. You know, talk a little bit more about the self-awareness piece, because I do think that, you know, there's, it's, it almost seems like there's a line where you can cross to where you're too self-aware to to where you start to get so paralyzed in your, your own failures or or things that you may, you know, still not be as proficient at that you would like to be or distinguished at. Talk to me about that. I mean, was how has that process been for you to obtain more self awareness of yourself and say, Hey, here's the good, let's continue there. Let's, let's get great. Here's the bad, let's get rid of that. Let's outsource that. I mean, how has that process been for you?
0: Yeah, so I I remember reading Steve Jobs biography back in like 2011 2012 and um everybody that was in that book that was referenced and interviewed talked about his reality distortion field, how he would just look at his reality was unwilling to accept it and then go to change it. And that was insightful and productive for producing products that mankind didn't even know it needed or wanted, um but it seemed less productive from the folks who was he was working with when it was it's nighttime. It's literally dark outside. And he said, he would say things like, you know, make the sun come out. That's not, it's not a real example, but trying to change the nature of our existence, um, like ignore the fact that there is coronavirus right now or ignore climate change, things like that don't seem to be productive ways to distort reality. And so I've had partnerships that, um, kind of put that idea on a pedestal that uh, your reality can always be distorted. You can always change the story of how other people view you. uh, And um, how you're perceived is more important than what you produce. Uh, And so self-awareness is not necessary to change people's perceptions of you. And if people's perceptions of you drives your success, then what does it matter? Now, if that's what's required to be a mad scientist that changes the landscape of the world, like Steve Jobs um, or Elon Musk, fine, great. People, we, maybe we need those people, but that's just not something that I'm looking for in my life. I'd rather have outsized but moderately outsized success um, being surrounded with people who I enjoy, who can help me grow, not just in business, but as an individual, than go the egomaniac route. <laughs>
1: I love it yeah so I mean definitely I mean very timely for you to say hey look let's distort reality perhaps productively and not you know the opposite and you know as an example I mean both you and myself we're we're self-quarantined today right because (laughs) of this unprecedented event that's happening globally and you know with regard to the coronavirus who knows where this is going to go but with regard to yourself what you're saying is hey look you know what, let me, let me identify, you know, where do I operate within all of these different bounds? Like Steve job is probably one of the most innovative type of individuals that, you know, the planet has ever seen. But what you're saying is from your perspective is, Hey, let's operate in this real estate environment to where we can offer some great opportunities for folks. And we can push those bounds, but we're not sort of creating the sunlight when, you know, there's nothing outside. I mean, is that what you're saying?
0: Pretty much, and I, and I think yeah. real estate um, investing is a, an industry, is a community where you don't have to be a mad scientist, an egomaniac yeah. to be successful. I, I think there's so much opportunity. It is such a um, kind of chartered out course for success that um, you know you can you can make that choice to say I want to be successful. I want to provide well for my family. I want to acquire massive resources to mobilize them. Just you know to, to to change the world how I see fit without. Um, kind of falling into this trap of thinking that I'm larger than life or thinking that I'm more important than the man next to me or the woman next to me or um, not having to do work on myself as an individual for the benefit of my family.
1: So Ben, talk to me about, you know, was there a moment in your life when you drew a line in the sand and said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be, you know, maybe I'm not going to be sort of, you know, this, total icon of this egomaniac, but you're somebody who said, I'm not going to accept ordinary Now I'm not going to, you know, be average. Was there a moment or was that a process for you?
0: Certainly a process. Um, you know, I, I, I think that as one comes of age, one is trying to suss out, you know, what, what, it, what, it, what is my existence? Like, you know, who, who is, who is impacting my mindset? Um, and who am I becoming as a result of that? So and I remember in high school, um, I hung out with the AP kids, and um, I used to talk about these harebrained ideas. I um, was elected president of the economics class that I was in senior year of high school, and I'd, we, instead of selling magnets or whatever, we decided to do a, a monopoly board centered on our town, sell the advertising space to businesses, and sell the resulting product to the students. So it was like two business revenue lines in one instead of you know, projecting $500 of revenue for the class, it would have been, you know, $15,000, $20,000 for the class. Um, and, you know, we had to go out and sell 40 advertising spaces to businesses around town. And in the process of doing that, I was you know, coming up with these harebrained ideas that I'd sit down with my friends at lunch and, and talk about these things. And they would all just, as academics, they all pursued academia after high school. Um, you know, they, they looked at it with curiosity and uh, kind of poo-pooed the possibility that, that you could do some of these things. And um, I questioned their motives in poo-pooing it, and I questioned my interpretation of them poo-pooing it. And that's when I started going on this journey of perhaps I need to surround myself with different people.
1: Are you someone who's seriously looking to elevate your life, your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal opportunities, your access to opportunities, your network this year? Well, if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com because I'm currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be and really, you know, expand that beyond your wildest dreams and explode your business, explode your deal opportunities, explode your vision for what you're looking to create. If that's you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I really have to tell you that this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive. They're committed. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to get to where they want to be and to live a life without limits, to elevate to a life without limits, which is really what we're all about on this show. If that is you, again, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com interesting so was that so you were thinking perhaps maybe there was a academia sort of thought process and there was more of an entrepreneurial thought process that you sort of became aware of in that moment and said hey you know what maybe they're just not like me or maybe they're not driven by the same things i mean what what did you glean from that experience yeah so i
0: i had the benefit of two things one my dad who was incredibly entrepreneurial um and uh, would, would used to drive me around buildings and implant these seeds into my head of distaste for corporate America and say every single person who's working in this building is in a prison cell and their tie is the chain around their neck. And, you know, when you're four years old, you're thinking wow. this is like very literal. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I went to go work at a sandwich shop, uh, who, which was owned by a guy who um, you know, owned a whole bunch of franchises. Uh, in in the in the region. And so those two people kind of corroborated this idea that you can choose to be this person. Um, you know, my, my my dad started dad school when I was six and I had to read The Richest Man in Babylon and Kiyosaki by the time I was eight and Ogmandino and um how to win friends and influence people, think and grow rich all by the time I was 10, 12 years old. So awesome. it it seemed like everybody else was just missing out on this education because I had literally been indoctrinated, didn't have much of a choice about it. Um, so it, so it, it didn't come to me as though, uh, you know, maybe I was crazy. It came to me as, wow, all my friends are uneducated.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Good, good for you and having an amazing dad. I mean, most of us would, would love to have had that type of experience by the time we're 10, you know, yep. the, the seeds that you can plant into your mind. So how did that germinate early on? I mean, did you have any sort of in entrepreneurial sort of endeavors or perhaps just e- even just creative outlook as a child based on those experiences? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know
0: that I did too much on my own. Like I wasn't, you know, uh, coding mobile apps when I was 10 years old, like Sean Parker or anything like that. Um, but I did ha- have, a f- fairly active for the age that I was at, uh, a role to play in each one of my dad's businesses. And he m- wanted the entire family to feel like they w- were a part of the business team um, in every one of his ventures. And um, it was a very disparate, disparate kind of style of stuff that that he was part of in the uh the 17 18 years I was hanging out with him um so I I did participate that way and my first foray into doing something myself was being the president of that economics class and we did generate 12 or 13 thousand dollars of revenue Um, we did some I, I probably did some other things like pancake houses and boy scouts or selling tickets for theater or something like that. But, but nothing like a business when I was a kid. No, the first, first business got started when I was 19 years old. The first legitimate
1: business that I started. Which was, what was that?
0: Yeah. So that was a study abroad company, um, that we started to in 2009, Obama had just been elected. The green wave was coming, um, and environmental engineering, uh, programs were just starting to sprout up around the country. And so we looked at the study of broad opportunities for engineers. We, I was in Costa Rica and I looked at the amount of hands-on education availability and low um, insurance costs to bring kids to Costa Rica to literally climb wind turbines to the top, go to a geothermal electric facility, hydroelectric facility, biomass uh, a, a energy production facility, water conservation, biological reforestation, all within a 20-30 minute drive of each other. No cost to enter any of these facilities. No insurance costs to, to, to um, have to uh, accommodate these trips. And tourism was dead. I mean, 2009 had just occurred, 2008 rather. Um, and so and it, there was this green wave and uh, engineering programs didn't have the time to study abroad, so we set up a 12-day all-inclusive experience in Costa Rica to learn everything about renewable energy production and uh, sustainability. Um, and after our first year, we were able to generate three credits for students. Within three years, we were doing 500 kids a year at four grand a pop, getting wow. pretty close to $2 million a year in revenue. I was spending half my time in Costa Rica by the time I was 22 years old.
1: That's amazing. Um, It just shows the creativity and the resourcefulness that obviously, um, you know, is really a part of your identity. And so, you know, with that said, I really appreciate you sharing all that. I wanted to just kind of fast forward a little bit to what you're doing today as a real estate investor and as a partner of Spartan Investment Group. I mean, we're all about raising the bar. We're all about pushing the limits when it comes to elevate. And so I'd be curious to know, you know, what are you guys doing today? What's an example of a way that you're raising the bar to elevate your own results?
0: Yeah. Um, You want to know what I'm doing today functionally, or do you want an example of how I'm raising the bar, ignoring what I'm doing functionally?
1: Tactically or, you know, from a different perspective, maybe it's psychological, maybe it's, you know, from a habitual standpoint, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, I see the beautiful, um, you know, organizational structure there behind you. And obviously, you've got a lot of pieces coming together in different ways. But, you know, take it whichever direction you want to take it.
0: Yeah, so Spartan Investment Group is a real estate development and syndication company that focuses on self storage assets. And we are really focusing on the company element of that business model. Um, I think a lot of our peer groups are looking at the investment element of that business model and, and looking for the next deal and keeping themselves slim and building a brand. We are building a company and an engine and a strategy to grow to a point where we are beyond a brand, we are beyond a hustle, we are beyond um, one individual's ability to identify deals or one individual's ability to raise capital. Um, We are building uh, a private equity business model that can survive any one, if not all three of, of the partners that are driving the business. So that's twofold. One is identifying a, a good strategy, really threefold. One is identifying a good strategy. Every three years, we go through a strategic planning process. We just finished our strategic planning process in 2019 for 2020 to 2022. Um, and we built that off of the military decision-making process. Scott Lewis, a partner and the CEO of the firm, is um, uh, an information warfare officer. And so he brought that military decision-making process into Spartan. Number two is hiring the right people, focusing on A players only, even if the business cannot sustain uh, that overhead in the long run. We're wanting to make those investments today, even if that means that you know we're not putting the, the quarter million dollar acquisition fees in our pockets. Uh, we're not draining the company. We've set up our LLC with a C election so that we can retain all of the capital in the business, not be taxed on it. And reinvest it for growth. So, you know, despite the, the recent success that Spartans had, it has not lined our partners pockets. It's all being reinvested to add more people, more systems, more processes, more strategy. And number three, this is uh, something else that I have to give a shout out to Scott for is just an unrelenting um, uh, kind of focus on culture. Um, we've built out our Spartan creed. Uh, we've built out Um, You know, everybody in our company is working on vision boards right now. Everybody is working um, within our strategic planning process. They have OKRs, objective key results that are all tied back to that planning process. We do frequent team retreats. We celebrate every closing. Um, uh, There is an unrelenting focus on building out our culture. Um, you know, and one, another thing, it's not just our employees that are part of our culture, but our investors as well. So every time we close a deal, we have something called a Spartan coin. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's like a challenge coin. So um, you close on a deal, you're an investor in a deal, you get a little coin um, medallion with the, the logo of the business that we just acquired um, as part of your ownership in addition to the investment binder and everything like that.
1: Wow, that's amazing. There's there's a lot there. And obviously, you know, this is not something that uh, Ben is coming up with on the spot. I mean, there's a lot of thought. There's a lot of strategic planning, as you mentioned. You know, going through sort of a a detailed strategic planning process every, you know, three years or so is, uh, you know, obviously where you've been able to glean all of this strategy and all of these different tactics. Um, You know, one of the, there's so much there. But one of the things I thought was really interesting and unique in our business is, um, you know, setting up your company as a C corp uh, culture, you know, structure in terms of from the taxation standpoint. Um, and the, the theory I would imagine behind that is just in terms of building the engine and the business rather than just, you know, a holding company that then owns real estate, because obviously most, you know, any CPA listening would say, Hey, you would never want to own real estate in a C corp, C corp, but as a syndication or a private equity company, that makes sense. So I'd be curious, you know, is that something that you recent, just recently did? Or is that, has that been in place for a while? It is
0: recent. It's, um, I believe it was part of the, the Trump tax change that uh, allowed this change. A C election on an LLC is, is pretty new. Um, so I'm going to give a free shout out to Anderson Advisors here. They helped us set this up. They're based out in California. They're a, a tax strategy platform that not only focuses on reducing your tax liability, but also keeps in mind your desire for business growth, because sometimes focusing on reducing your tax liability can stunt business growth. So you know, they, they kind of balance that. Um, and so you know, what we did is we set up two different companies. We've got a holding company that holds all of the equity for our business. And so all the general distributions and all of the liquidity events flow to the holding company, but all of our fees as a sponsor or as a servicer flow into a management group, and that management group is what houses all of our employees, not at, just at corporate, but also all of our property level employees so that we can issue benefits to everybody, not just at corporate. Um, and that management company gets all the fees, to it's got a C election, so it's still an LLC, we still benefit from limited liability, but we can be taxed like a corporation. So there is double taxation, but when you look at the double taxation element, if you're paying 21% this reduced corporate tax rate that companies like Apple and Amazon are being held to, that's 21%, you wait another five years to issue the remainder as a dividend, that's 20%. So you're paying 41% total as opposed to your marginal tax bracket today, maybe 35%. So it's an extra 6%, but when you're pushing it off by five years, the second half of that, the time value of money suggests that it's maybe more or less the same, but you've got the benefit of keeping more of it in-house. You don't have to drain your bank account down to zero essentially to pay taxes on it and then reinvest it into the company which is the, the, the fundamental mechanics of an LLC without a C-election. You can keep it in-house, reinvest it into your people, into equipment, into processes, you know, bigger office space, things like that, and use that to grow over time, and then you can issue your dividends and pay the second half of your tax.
1: Love it. Yeah. And this all really comes back to just a long-term perspective of building that engine and reinvesting back into your business. And the soundbite also that really sticks out to me is, you know, instead of, you know, lining our pockets with acquisition fees, we can then go back and reinvest into this business that can be long lasting. It can replace us. That's one of the things I love about real estate so much is that it's a system that can also then allow you to do great things in your life and be the best version of yourself, which is, you know, really combining these two forces in terms of real estate investing as well as personal growth. So with that said, I'd love to know, you know, more about Ben as a, as an individual and as a, you know, a relentless person, you know, who's growing, you know, on a, on a daily basis. So, you know, are there some, you know, habits that you've consciously sort of installed in your life that really support you in terms of being this great leader and this this builder of this engine?
0: Yeah, I, I think um, working on myself is always critical. There's a lot less time for that when you've got to start like several startup businesses and a startup family. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I did the work early on uh, to give me as much, uh, as, as much leeway as, as I can uh, right now. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for me in 2019 and 2020 is building scaffolding. So you know, as somebody uh, recently realizing that I've got pretty heavy adult attention deficit disorder, um, I read the book Driven to Distraction, and, and one of the kind of call-out stories that really exemplifies what it's like is if somebody had a gun to your head and said, I need you to focus on this, for 10 minutes. You'd focus on it. You'd absolutely have all the incentive in the world to focus on it, right? You don't want your life to end. Yet within about 10 seconds, your mind would start to wander, regardless of that gun being, you know, that's an interesting gun. I wonder where he got it from. (laughs) What kind (laughs) of gun is that? So, um, you know, that's, what it can be like sometimes you uh, mess up and, and, and uh, you don't show up to your buddy's podcast interview, <laughs> which is what what's happened in, in this case is our second, second attempt here. So building that scaffolding has been really important. And there's a couple of things for that. One is letting everybody know where I'm at, not doing that on my own, because when I don't have the understanding of the people around me, it just causes more stress and then more stress causes more distraction and causes more slip-ups, which just causes more uh, frustration from everybody around me. So keeping people uh, up to date on where I'm at on a daily basis, mostly my wife, my partners, um, is really helpful because then they can kind of oscillate their expectations on a day-to-day basis. Number two is building out as much of a routine as possible. Now, with a three-month-old and a two-year-old, when I talk about routine, I'm not talking about, you know, journaling and working out and you know, doing my meditation and, and all those amazing habits that people talk about with their mornings and their nights. I'm doing none of that right now. I'm just trying to make sure that I fulfill all the expectations of those in my business and my family so that I don't drop the ball there and I can focus on the things that I need to do throughout the day for myself. Um, and so that might be bringing coffee to my wife in the morning. That might be making sure that my kids get dressed and ready for the day. Um, because it's very easy for me to forget those things. If I don't have a step-by-step routine, um, because I'm thinking about other things while I'm doing it. And so I'll just completely forget about it. And then the other folks have to deal with it. It might be, um, making sure that all the bills get paid because if I don't have a routine for that or checking in with my, my bookkeeper on a daily basis, if I don't have a routine for that, it could be a week before I even remember that that's part of the business that we have. Um, so building that scaffolding, uh, and then, and then number three is making sure that I do take out at least an hour every day. That's, that's what I'm trying to get to right now is an hour every day to do something for myself. It's not working out every day. It's not journaling every day. It might be just one of those things on a daily basis, but just taking time away from my phone and for my kids for myself, uh, and, and also trying
1: to give my wife the same thing on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, I love the mental image of just building scaffolding and I don't know if you've ever seen the um I think it's like uh maybe it's like a silhouette of a of a you know, a human head. And then there's like, you know, real estate skyline over top and you got all the scaffolding and it's really just about building sort of that, that empire within your mind. And really, I just love the description of building the scaffolding within your life. And you know, you mentioned a couple of things is like, don't go it alone. Like number one is, you know, let, you know, let let others know where you're at currently, you know, what's going on in your life and maybe how you've, you know, things don't work out perfectly every single day. And, you know, I mean, we all drop the ball in our own ways and it's just like, hey, I'm just, you know what, I made a mistake here, right? Um, What else would you suggest in terms of, you know, not going it alone? Is there anything else other than just pure communication there? Yeah, I I think it's it's
0: communication on both sides. That goes back to surrounding myself with people who are self-aware enough to tell me where they're at. Because if you're not self-aware enough to know where you're at, you can't communicate it to others. And that can cause friction, especially for somebody like me.
1: Self-awareness on both sides, Mm -hmm. love that. And then also, you know, just the practicality of building out a routine. Look, we all don't, you know, at the end of the day, life happens, right? You have to service, you know, your life, your family, your business, whatever it may be. You may not have the most perfect morning routine, but just realizing that you have to adapt and grow throughout the processes of your life, I think is a huge uh, takeaway there. So Ben, talk to me about, failure. I mean, how has failure showed up in your life? I mean, you're, got, you're, you're an individual who's, you know, sort of, you mentioned early on, rushing through life and building so many things uh, now. I mean, what have you experienced as far as failure along the way? Yeah, I've had two startups
0: that I spent six months on each uh, as my primary project, uh, fail, crash and burn. And uh, as a real estate investor, I had gone almost three dozen deals, all profitable. Before I got to my my first loss, and then I had three back to back, and it was I, I threw pretty close to a quarter million dollars of my own money into a trash fire, um, <clears throat> and that was a difficult time. You know, that was in my twenties. A quarter million dollars, still a lot of money at the time. So uh, yeah, al- along the way, I've had enough enough experiences to realize that some of the mantras for millennials kind of coming out of college might not be the best approach. Things like burn your boat, put your back up against the wall. I've replaced that with hungry's make bad decisions. Don't burn your boat. Don't put your back up against the wall. Make sure that you are not emotionally, mentally, intellectually stressed out because then you can actually think about what you're doing and make good decisions. (laughs) So I I used to kind of stretch myself as thin as possible. Um, And the idea was is if you can do that today, when you have more responsibilities like a family and a mortgage and kids, um, you'll know what it's like to feel stressed out, but that's that's just not the right answer in, in my personal opinion. Um, you know build yourself a foundation, build yourself a rock to build the rest of your life on and from and don't let that rock go you know like don't 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 bet that rock on something that could have a, a huge impact but had, but has huge risk. Keep that rock as your foundation because That will make sure that you are emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, uh, physically available to make the right decisions uh, as you go through life.
1: I love that. Yeah. And I mean, this is a great topic to be having this discussion on currently as we're entering a very uncertain type of an environment with, you know, a global pandemic as the uh, coronavirus that we're sort of, you know, really kind of starting to kind of perhaps start to get more of an understanding of how potentially serious this is and you know with that said you mentioned a few times just as it relates to stress and real estate investors and that's why we talk a lot about psychology and mindset you know to be a successful real estate investor in my opinion you've really got to you know manage your stress and manage you know sort of the internal dialogue so I mean how does that how does that work for you and especially as it relates to this type of uh, potentially changing economic uh, landscape that we're entering into?
0: How does that inner voice that can give me doubt and stress relate to me? Yeah, so um, I, I, had, I had a couple of partnerships early on, the, the study abroad company in Costa Rica, um, and that did two things for me. That said, there is a benefit to having partners, but there is a detriment to having the wrong partners. Those were two things that I took away from a partnership perspective. And so you know, all of the real estate investing I had done in my 20s since then, Has been a side hustle has never been my full-time commitment and I was waiting to find the right partners because I knew that Somebody who has my skills my competencies my energy needs to be complemented with another type of personality Um, But I like it had to be the right person somebody that I thought was self-aware enough Somebody who had the same definition of righteousness as I did and what was right morally and ethically Um, so you know, how do I deal with that inner voice is having partners and you know, everybody has a bad day. Everybody wakes up with their biochemistry being different than the, than the six days prior uh, on occasion. Maybe it's something you ate. Maybe it's the sleep that you got. Maybe it's the lack of movement that you had. Uh, but you know, maybe it's just, you had such a good day that that dopamine drip in your brain was a little bit overloaded. And now you're kind of experiencing a free fall from that. You know, we, we don't really know enough about the brain, um, but everybody has those days um but it's rare that if you've got a partnership of two people or three people that everybody's waking up with that bad day at the same time so you know when you're having that day of doubt and that other person can kind of give you that space and give you be that confidant and be the one to kind of prop up you know and remind you where you're at kind of look at the bright side of things um and then when they have their bad day you can be that person um, and so, you know, if you've got one entrepreneurial brain that's looking a little bit like this, like a, like a sine curve and another one that's looking like a sine curve, but it's you know, inverted to the first one, the average of that is a much more stable line, you know, uh, on a linear graph. So, um, that's the best way that I found to do that because I, 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 certainly struggle with that, but having somebody that you trust is a good confidant and is in it with you, um, to balance it out, that is the most helpful thing that's
1: awesome that is an amazing answer and it really goes back to just building the scaffolding you know this is this is another example of the system that you've had you know some self-awareness of to say hey look you know not every day i'm going to show up you know in the same biochemical fashion or whatever it may be and that you know the same about your partners as well and as, as long as you align sort of you know from a moral standpoint, as well as from a skill standpoint, I just think there's a lot of value in what you just said. And it even goes back to just kind of what you talked about earlier is don't go it alone and, you know, let everyone know where you are in terms of your partners in terms of other people in your life. And uh, I just love the, the management of stress through finding effective partnerships. And as you get there, having discussions with others, maybe who align with you in other ways, but man, that was awesome. Uh, I'd love to know, Ben, what are you guys working on now? I mean, what are you most excited about these days?
0: Yeah. um, So two things. The Best Ever Conference um, is a annual national event, trade event for uh, experienced real estate investors focusing on commercial real estate, whether it's syndication or not. um, It's for both passive investors and active investors. And that event really took a turn this past year, with the exception of the town that we chose. uh, We had great responses. Um, and the amount of resources that kind of came together for the conferences last year was an inflection point. So um, it is now a business that stands alone, um, that is could be a self-supporting business for folks. Um, and so we have the resources now to add team members who can focus on the event year-round as, as their only thing. Um, so that's going to free up a lot of my mental bandwidth and emotional bandwidth in the process of uh, final interviews today to find somebody to – help me. And then, um, Joe Fairless, my partner that is also hiring somebody on his end. And then these two people can focus on the, the conference full time. And, uh, my expectations for next year are to make this a, um, a, a seven figure revenue business with over a thousand people in attendance, um, close to a hundred billion assets under management represented at the conference. Um, and, uh, over, uh, um, a billion dollars of unplaced capital there. Now everything might change with the recession that we're currently experiencing. It might be a completely different landscape for next year. But if that's the case, I'm hoping to be the one place that everybody can go to get their answers for how do we survive, how do we pivot, how do we continue to grow in this landscape. Those are the I, I think will be even even more need as a uh, a community meeting place for everybody. So that's that's on the conference side on Spartan. Um, You know, we're just starting to get that flywheel started. It's the same thing over there. When we started 2019, it was just the partners involved. By the end of 2019, we had a core team of 10 people, and we're in the process of hiring four more this year. So, uh, you know, we're going to be a core team of 15 people, probably 30 to 40 people, including at the property level by the end of 2020, and that's just able to get the flywheel spinning even faster. We've done more transactions and transaction volume in the first 100, uh, excuse me, first 75 days of 2020 than we did in all of 2019. Um, You know, when you add capacity, when you reinvest, you're just able to kind of get that flywheel spinning a lot faster. So I'm just just excited about adding more team members to everything that we're doing, um, improving the culture, creating a great place to work, um, and focusing on strategy
1: and continuing to grow. That's awesome. And I, you know, Ben and I actually met through the Best Ever Conference and I definitely would recommend any of the listeners today to, to go and do some research there because I know Ben and Joe and their team are doing great work there. So thanks for uh, providing the opportunity for all of us to, you know, have amazing networking. I mean, I was blown away by the quality of people that you guys have attracted there. So uh, definitely kudos to you on that. And then obviously, it's exciting to hear what you guys are doing in terms of building the flywheel. I know I've got a a Jim Collins, uh, you know, reader here in terms of good to great the flywheel. Uh, (laughs) I love that you're building the system and letting the momentum carry you through. So talk to me uh, real quick, just in terms of the timeliness, you know, of the Coronavirus and the situation we're dealing with. I mean, how do you how do you act in this type of environment? I mean, we've had such a you know, a long expansion, a crazy, you know, expansion since 2008 and, you know, prices have gotten crazy, you know, now interest rates are just precipitously falling. It seems like every day you find a, another rate cut that's, uh, that's happening in the environment. I mean, how do you guys, how do you act appropriately in this type of environment? Um, I, I think by taking a knee, uh, there, there is no imminent
0: threat to commercial real estate at the moment that, that I can assess. Um, but there is opportunity somewhere. So I I think that if, you know, we, we go out and we make these, um, you know, these big changes to our business model without taking the time to do assessment, we can make some mistakes. Um, let me kind of break that down. No imminent threat to real estate. I, 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 there is obviously a massive threat to the equity markets right now, not just in the U S but globally. I mean, we had another 8% drop this morning on Monday, March 16th. And that is the sixth straight trading day in a row where uh, we've had a a, a significant drop. And I think that we've triggered the maximum uh, drop four times in the last six days, if if I'm remembering my news correctly here. So uh, I think we've broken the 30% correction mark over the course of the last 20 days. So we're way past being classified as a bear market. And that's, again, not just in the U.S., that's that's globally. So there's a, a massive threat to the value of the equity market. At the same time, in the commercial real estate investing world, there's a lot of people who've been waiting for at least a 30% correction, if not a 40% correction, which was the last number that I was hearing from you know, the Role Investment Group and some other folks at, at conferences back in January. So, um, you know, it's, I'm not too surprised. Uh, I think it's pretty interesting that it's coming from a pandemic. I think a, a lot of trading models are going to incorporate pandemic modeling into their, uh, their, their futures predictions um, going forward. But for commercial real estate, CMBS foreclosures are at an all-time low. Lending never got to uh, a risky place. I mean the lending environment has never really um, kind of overlent in this environment. Prices and spreads have never been over compressed. And with interest rates falling, there's just more room for cap rate compression now. I, I, you know, how does this impact interest rates? We don't know. The last interest rate spread, last interest rate cut from the Fed was matched by a push out in spreads to account for the risk. So the value or the 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 rate to retail borrowers like us in real estate was virtually unchanged. I don't know what based off of yesterday's announcement, kind of kind of close to zero. That's going to be the same. Now, will that mean a lower mortgage uh, rates for residential borrowers or lower um, uh, debt fund rates for commercial borrowers or CMBS rates for commercial borrowers, I don't know. It probably will mean lower rates for those borrowing in the agency world and on multifamily, but for the rest of us in storage where there are no agency rates, I have no idea what that means yet. Um, But there's 13 and a half trillion dollars of sovereign debt uh, around the globe, last I checked, that had negative interest rates. Um, so, you know, there's still room to go down if we want to, which means that there is room for cap rate compression once the confidence comes back and we're over the coronavirus. So I, I think it's going to be more about a shift in confidence than a shift in a- anything else that we can do within the financial industry. And that confidence is going to come from seeing a reduction in uh, caseload in the coronavirus. Um, not just in the U.S., but globally. And as of right now, it's going in the opposite direction exponentially. So there's still more room to fall. Um, you know, We own two RV parks in West Texas. Um, that is completely tied to the oil industry. We, we have been hit for sure uh, in the last week, but it's not as abysmal as the equity market. So I think confidence has just been decimated in the stock market. Um, I think we need to take a knee and see what the correlation is to the injection of liquidity and the money supply and interest rates falling and what other monetary policy might be coming out when they're not just making desperate moves at the fed level and what the rest of the globe is going to do to respond to the crisis. Um, you know, in commercial real estate, everything lags a little bit. So you've got the time to make, to,
1: to take a knee. Yeah. It's a, it's a great advice to take a knee and, you know, I just find this whole situation so fascinating. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing to look at is how does this impact the occupants, right? How does this impact the occupants of the real estate itself? Because, as you mentioned, I mean, there's still so many, you know, factors in terms of the actual, you know, real estate itself to continue in terms of valuation increases and those kind of things. And also from a financing perspective, obviously it's a very attractive environment, but from a liquidity and from an equity perspective, how does that actually shake out? Um, but you know, I'm reading a book right now called the black Swan. Many of our listeners may be aware of by the Taleb, to leave. And it's just fascinating because, you know, the black Swan, isn't something that you can predict. Of course, you look back and say, well, of course, you know, a pandemic could have happened, but I mean, this is just something that we never would have expected. And so how are you building that scaffolding within your own mind to say, what are the uncertainties and the unknowns that could occur in the future? And how do we position ourselves appropriately? So- really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I want to be respectful of your time as well, Ben, and, and transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire because we're scaling the mountaintop and we're going to continue to scale those mountaintops no matter what faces us and no matter what pandemic comes and, and requires us to self-quarantine. But, uh, you know, talk to me, uh, what, are, what are two or three of the most impactful books that you've ever read? You talked about a few that you even read before you were 10 years old earlier in the show today, but I'd be curious to know that
0: yeah i i think there's always recency bias in this answer um so I'm gonna go with some recent ones
1: but uh sapiens my mm. Yuval you noah harari thank you amazing thank you. book yeah Sa- sapiens is is great
0: and, and i would couple that with um you know, the blog post series of tim urban wait but why mm. um the the way that he breaks down his understanding of the world with stick figure models coupled with some, some uh, colloquial colorful language to describe things is, is really fun. And, and I see a lot of references to sapiens in his work uh, and, and some of the stuff that comes out of it. And that's just kind of understanding the millennial mindset, but also the human mindset. And he just did uh, Tim urban, his way, but why series, he just did a nine part series kind of explaining the American brain. So like our, our collective consciousness Um, and you know, I learned concepts like the Overton window and, and, uh, which is a political term and, um, it just kind of understanding how society shifts as our ability to make up stories has made us the, um, dominant species on the planet, but it's also the thing that limits us from being able to be as productive and efficient and, um, capable as a collective species. So uh, it just kind of, Understanding that that dichotomy in the universe is is really interesting and it helps under explain human nature
1: a lot better. Yeah, that's really cool. I have not um, not read the Tim Urban Wait But Why blog. We'll definitely put a link in the show notes uh, for all the listeners. But I highly agree on Sapiens, one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. And it's amazing because it can give you the insight of why did we evolve to where we are today? And why do we act the way we act? And why does our inner voice you know, require partners to have discussions with to say, hey, you know what, I'm on this biochemical wavelength today, but you may be opposite. So really fascinating. And I think a lot of uh, practical insights that you can apply to your own life. So appreciate you sharing that. Yeah.
0: Can I have one more for your listeners? Absolutely. Okay. Fountainhead by Ayn Rand.
1: Obviously it's not
0: a philosophy book. It's not a business book. It is very much classic literature. And Ayn Rand is uh, very much devoid of a singular aspect in all of her writing, which is love. So don't take any of her writing too seriously like a lot of the libertarians do. But the way that she took four different characters to an extreme to kind of highlight deficiencies in, in human nature from one end and then, you know, extreme from another living a certain set of values to a fault um, it was able to kind of highlight things that I uh, appreciate in people that I surround myself with or don't appreciate in, in some others so that I can be selective in you
1: know, who I want to grow with and spend my time around. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't applied as much uh, fiction reading in my life yet, but perhaps this is a nudge in that direction. I I own that book. I haven't read it yet. Really? Great, great book. Not just about
0: architecture. If you read it in high school, you think it's just a book about architecture and it's super boring, but as an adult, fantastic book.
1: That's awesome. Well, I know that she is uh, a a deep and (laughs) profound uh, writer herself, so we'll definitely put a link there in the show notes for Elevate Nation. (laughs) Uh, talk to me aside from what we've talked about today in terms of building scaffolding and, and all that you're doing in terms of building that engine, uh, you know, that you've got there and, and all the different endeavors that you're involved in, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis?
0: Um, try to be a dad, you know, like a participatory dad. I think it's really easy to say, I can just keep working and I can keep making more money and I can keep doing more things and I can keep making a bigger name for myself. Um, but I try to be a good dad every day because that just, it sparks that why and it flames that why. And so, um, it, it, it keeps, it, it reduces the number of days that I wake up with that biochemistry of like, am I doing the right thing? Do I really want to be doing this? It's like, I absolutely do. I love this and I love doing it for these reasons. That's awesome, man. That's
1: awesome. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you?
0: Yeah, um, so our mission at Spartan Investment Group is to improve lives through real estate, and that sounds so Silicon Valley esque, like you know, out here to change the world. Um, but it is a great reminder that that's what we are trying to do. Like this is what we're good at, and this is what we're choosing to spend our time on. But we just like we want to make sure that everybody we do business with has a better experience after colliding into Spartan than uh, they did beforehand. So it's a better life experience. So now, every week we start off our sync calls with. How did we improve somebody's life through real estate? And sometimes that's we just close the deal and our investors are making money. Fantastic. But sometimes it's a lot smaller things like sitting down with people who are like, this has been in my, this land has been in my family for a hundred years and, you know, it's really special to us. And what do we do with it? And we have those conversations without any intention of monetizing ourselves. Just How can we be helpful?
1: Well, you've absolutely been helpful today and you've changed the lives of many people listening to this show. So really, really appreciate you taking time, Ben. And is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with Elevate Nation?
0: Yeah, just keep listening to the Tyler Chester Show. He's, uh, you're, you're, you're asking good questions, man. I do a lot of these. You ask good
1: questions. (laughs) I really appreciate that, man. And uh, I tell you what, man, it's been a lot of fun. And we look forward to continuing to follow Ben Lapidus on your journey. And uh, tell the listeners how they can remain engaged with you and and all the things you're doing. Yeah, you can reach out
0: to me uh, at ben at spartan-investors.com. If you want to hit me up by email or come check out the Best Ever Conference Show and let's shake hands in person, B E C. 21com B is in best, E is in ever, C is in conference,
1: 21.com. And you guys have early bird sort of pricing and everything going on right now, right? Yep, that's right. Absolutely. So we'll put a link in the show notes to BEC21.com. So definitely want to check that out. I will be there next year as well. It'll be my third year in a row. Looking forward to that. And, you know, I really just want to remind everybody that repetition is key. You want to re-listen to this show because, man, I I need to re-listen to it because I was taking a lot of notes and I think I missed a few things. But, you know, you want to re-listen to the show, pause where needed, take notes, take massive action because, you know, that's really where the power is and all that you learned today. But share it also with someone else. Who else needs to know what we discussed today and what they can do to apply this into their life? You know, take a screenshot, tag Ben, tag myself, tag Elevate Pod, tag your friend who needs to know about what we talked about today. And so with that said, uh, Ben, thanks again for taking time today. Thanks Tyler. Absolutely. Elevate nation. We'll see you next time. This episode of elevate is brought to you by CF capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner, Brian Flaherty, where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. If you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com.
0: Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.